I don't know if there's a dumber oh, human man. being out there coaching a football team than Adam Gates. It's the H-Dog Pod with your host, Michael the Hound Dog Harrison. Hey, welcome to episode 46, the Bo Outlaw edition of the podcast. I just love that guy's name so much. Bo Outlaw. You can't help but laugh. He played 15 seasons in the NBA. Not bad for a player who was undrafted. He actually works as a double whammy of sorts as he wore 45 for his entire career, except for one in Phoenix, where he wore 46. That year, he averaged 0.7 points per game, the worst of his career, and failed to score in his only playoff game. Bo Outlaw definitely had a better career than I'm giving him credit for, but that stat line is hilarious. Speaking of basketball players who are hilarious, two were involved in the match three champions for change last Friday, which was a charity golf match. Charles Barkley teamed up with Phil Mickelson to dismantle the team of Steph Curry and Peyton Manning. Though Barkley had some of his characteristic squirrely shots, he didn't have the hitch in his swing and actually played very well. His putting was really, really strong, which was a shocker. It's not crazy to say that at times he legit was the second best golfer out there, which was a stunner as Curry and Manning both struggled. What's going on? Such a bizarre world. Chuck actually being good at golf? What? My next guest today isn't a big golf fan at all, so he most definitely will not delve into that match at all. But he's a beauty. So without further ado, let's get cracking. Okay, now welcome on Eric Big Cat Cohen. He's been a sports broadcaster for over two decades, where he's been on air for hardcore sports radio and now works at TSN as a story editor and as a sports betting expert for TSN Edge. Welcome to the H-Dog Pod, Eric. Thank you very much, Tom Doc. How are you? Doing very well. Doing very well. Excited to talk to you. And uh, yeah, t- tell us about your career path. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm curious. Like, how did you get into the in- into the industry, and uh, what have you been doing over the years? Well, as you mentioned, it's been uh, over two decades now. It's uh, I feel like uh, it's hard to believe. I feel like a veteran in this business, and I mean, I never would have thought that. But uh, yeah, you know what? I went to uh, Western. I grew up in London, Ontario, so I went to Western for journalism, then went to Fanshawe for television broadcasting. And out of Fanshawe, I did an internship uh, to finish the program in 1999 and did it at uh, uh, Sportsnet. Back then, it was uh, CTV Sportsnet. And uh, so I was actually, my first uh, my first job in the industry was in the same building I'm in now, which is that, of course... Uh, nine Channel Nine uh, in Agent Court because uh, that was where the uh, Sportsnet CTV buildings were uh, back in '99. Oh, so really? I worked eh? there I for I yeah, know. I worked there for a few years. So uh, you know, did that, and then I went to the Score, uh, and I was at the Score, and then the, and then from the Score turned into uh, serious hardcore sports radio, and I was there from uh, 2002 until 2012 and, uh, been at TSN since 2012. And, you know, there's been quite a few other little mini adventures on the way, did some stuff with, uh, you know, 680 news and the fan 590. And, um, you know, I uh, did a bunch of hockey shows with a couple guys that are currently on sports that now, um, over at, uh, at Sirius as well. So, yeah, you know what? I feel like, uh, I've been lucky enough to really uh, be a big part of a lot of things in Toronto when it comes to sports broadcasting. Yeah, and, and you mentioned uh, working at the score there in Sirius. Uh, what was it like uh, working uh, for the, the hardcore sports radio show and, and all that? Uh, you must have met. Uh, you must have worked with some interesting characters. Oh my goodness! Yeah, like I mean, when I started at the score, you know, I worked with uh, you know Tim and Sid and. 
uh, Greg Sansoni and Elliot Friedman, you know, all sorts of guys that you currently see now at different platforms. And then uh, once I got into uh, the radio side uh, a couple of years, so I, was, I, was a, I was a reporter, I was a suite report, meaning that I would, you know, watch the games in my suite and then voice all the highlights. And uh, uh, a couple of guys that are currently with TSN actually were, were doing similar stuff with me, uh, Glenn Sheeler, Laura Dykin, um, and then after I moved out of the TV side into the radio side, yeah, quite, uh, some quite interesting personalities for sure. Uh, Aaron Bronstetter, who you of course see on TSN, um, Gabe Morassi, Cam Stewart, guys that have been around the industry for a long time, really, uh, colorful guys, very entertaining. And, um, you know, uh, it, it's, it gave me a chance to really, uh, Give me some radio experience in a different type of sports environment. Um, that's where a lot of my gambling talk started happening. You know, we were so much focused on gambling on, on this on this platform. So uh, it certainly helps doing what I did there to what I'm doing now with TSN Edge, uh, which is uh, a lot of obviously fantasy and uh, and gambling advice and uh you know we do some great stuff there and i and i got my really my experience with that over at uh serious and hardcore sports radio yeah we'll talk about the gambling and tsn edge uh, here in a moment because i want to delve deeply into that uh but uh share uh, some of the i mean gabe Morenci and the camp stewart they're uh, those guys are uh are something else uh share some uh, some funny stories with them uh, working with those guys well, most of the stories I have of them probably can't be shared. That's how crazy <laughs> they were. But uh, you know what? Listen, I, I, I went to Vegas with them oh. uh, for Super Bowl, the Super Bowl that featured the Steelers and the Cardinals, one of the greatest games of all time, right? The, mm-hmm. the uh, Santonio Holmes catch at the uh, back of the end zone, the the long uh, Harrison touchdown uh, on, on Kurt Warner at the end of the first mm-hmm. half. It's a crazy game. So we were in Vegas for like four days for – UFC and for um, for the Super Bowls, we went to the uh, Silva GSP fight, which was awesome. Um, and uh, I'm sorry, sorry, BJ Penn GSP would have been that fight. I've been to quite a few UFCs. That was that was Penn and uh, and, G- and GSP. But um, yeah, this the, you know the four days in Vegas with them was. You know, basically four days without sleeping, nonstop, um, you know, partying, clubs, after hours, this, after hours, this, uh, you know, start up again the next morning, and it was it was a wild, wild time. And that's, you know, listen, I mean, the thing about Cam and Gabe are they, you know, what you see on television or radio is who they are, right? They are, they are. Well, you know, I think Gabe's actually mellowed out now from what he was back when I worked with him. But, man, for those years, they were intense, hardcore individuals who lived life in the fast lane. They just they were just go, go, go. And uh, they liked to have a good time. And, uh, you know, good times generally followed them around. <laughs> How did you uh, come back from Vegas Alive? Uh, I was there once I, years I ago as well. I was shocked that I did. I think I needed about you know, a week of detox and just, you know, to sleeve it off for a few days. That was, it was a wild, crazy time. Um, and, you know, we had other events like back then, right, where, you know, they were like, you know, work functions or whatever. They were always just really intense. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not at the same level as those guys, you know, especially now, right, being 
married with a kid, it's it's a different life. But yeah, it was uh, it was wild. But you know what? I think it's important for everybody to to get that out of their system, right? People that want to, you know, experience um, all facets of life. It's important to be able to have uh, have a platform and an you know just an ex- a time where you can do this, and it's not going to you know hold you back professionally or in a family perspective. Yeah, and uh, I've been to Vegas, like I mentioned, and uh, Nashville as well. And both those cities, it was like after three days max, I would even uh, suggest two days. Uh, I was like, you know what? By that third day, I'm pretty tired. I'm I'm good to go yeah. go back home yeah. because <laughs> it takes a toll pretty quick, doesn't it? Oh man, especially Nashville. It is absolutely wild. Have you been there before? You know what? That's on the bucket list because everybody says that about Nashville. Oh. Um, you know, I, I've never had a chance to go but i mean obviously 2020 you don't really go anywhere but you know pre-2020 yeah that's all what people were talking about was bachelor parties and bachelorette parties in nashville and how much fun they were and uh just being able to sort of like a your own type of vegas where it's just like you don't sleep and you're just go 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 and the music and and uh the adult beverages and everything else it's uh Definitely something I need to experience once we can experience those kind of things again. Yeah, it was uh, honestly so much fun. And uh, yeah. uh, like, I, I'm not even kidding. I'm not exaggerating in any way, shape, or form here. Uh, if you go to the, uh, you know, because we drove overnight, you got there, I don't know, it was like 9, 10 in the morning or something like that. You go to uh, any of the uh, pubs and the bars around in Nashville, no joke, by 11 a.m., a.m., they are absolutely ram-packed. It is insanity yeah. from the entire day. And uh, like I said... After that second day, I was uh, I was pretty much done. I was like, I need to go home. Holy crap! Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I remember when like, you know we were obviously you know sending out our crews to like the Jets Predator series a couple of years ago in the playoffs, and all of our hockey guys were just raving about how much fun it was. But man, they had to make sure they were getting enough sleep to be able to cover the games at night because it <laughs> was a it was a wild scene. <laughs> no question. Uh, you also have worked, uh, I want to talk about this, uh, on the Frank D'Angelo Being Frank show. Uh, tell us a, 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 about that experience. Well, yeah, I still do a podcast with Frank and with Bill Waters, actually. Um, so I enjoy it. I've known Frank for over a decade. Uh, I did I did a weekly show, uh, sorry, a daily show with him at one point uh, when I first started at TSN. And I was freelancing. I was working at night, and I was, you know, there every day at noon doing a show called uh, The Numbers at Noon. It was a gambling show that I did, a daily show with uh, with Frank D'Angelo's studio. And uh, I've known Frank. Uh, as I mentioned, I've done shows with him. I do them currently with him once a week. And uh, I've been on his uh, television show. I was on a show with Eddie Shack actually, recently, which was a fun experience. Eddie's a really good guy. And, uh, yeah, you know what, it, it, that's what I mean. Like I've just had, a, I've had, I've been lucky enough to just work with so many people and do so many different things in the city that, uh, I, I do consider myself very lucky for that because not everybody can, uh, branch out the way I've been able to in, in this industry. And really anybody in this industry at some point, at some point, it just seems like I've, I've worked with them somewhere, right? Like yeah. that's, I don't know if everybody can say that some people will, stay in the same position or spot for 20, 30 years. And just, you know, they're, they just love where they are and they haven't really had a chance to work with different people. I, I certainly am very different than that. Cause I've, 
I've been able to, uh, yeah, anybody who in this city who pretty much has worked in sports the last couple of decades, at some point, at some venue and place, I've had an experience with them, which is cool. Yeah, and uh, Eddie Schack must have been really cool to, to talk to you. Who's yeah. uh, another one, one of maybe a favorite interview might even have been uh, him, but uh, yeah, who's uh, someone that uh, sticks out that you uh, loved talking to? That I've interviewed like an athlete? Yeah. Yeah, you know what? When I was at Sportsnet, I was doing a lot of the Leafs and Jays pre- and post-game stuff, just getting clips and stuff, and really enjoyed that. As far as, like, personal relationships, um, I, I met uh, I met a lot of wrestlers over the years, which which is something I'm also into. Uh, I had a, had a chance last year to meet Jeff Hardy and Mandy Rose and, and a bunch of the WWE uh, wrestlers, which is, which is a lot of fun. Uh, Trish Stratus, she's really cool. Uh, but you know, my personal favorite would probably be uh, Jeremy Roenick. Actually, I, I met him years ago. I did an, an interview with him, and he was just so colorful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, just talking to him a little bit afterwards, he was uh, he was a lot of fun. Uh, so yeah, he's probably my, my favorite person. Uh, and then I had a, a one hour interview actually once with. Uh, with Bobby Roode, who's now in the uh, WWE, back when he was with TNA, um, and he uh, he opened up a lot to me too. So you know, anytime you meet an athlete that that you learn a lot from just by talking to them that you wouldn't know by watching them perform, I think that's a really cool thing. So that that's an example of a guy that you know really opened up with a lot of things that you just wouldn't have no idea otherwise. So that was uh, that was a good experience for me. What, uh, yeah, once you started talking about wrestling, I was like, oh boy. Uh, I lived with so many roommates over the years and they were all obsessed with uh, wrestling. And, uh, yeah. Oh man. I, uh, for, for me, I was the opposite. I was just like, oh God. I swear, I swear some of them thought wrestling is real. I, I, I swear that they, they, they told me, no, 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 I know it's not. I swear to God, Brent, uh, I swear my one roommate thinks it's real. And, uh, oh man. Uh, by the way, what, what was that podcast that you do uh, with um, D'Angelo? Uh, just uh, uh, to give you a little plug there. Uh, it's called the uh, the Being Frank Show. It's on every Tuesday on um, on Next Sports Star at three o'clock. So I do it with, uh, like I said, with Frank and with Bill Waters, and then uh, Phil Esposito comes on the next hour as well. So. That's awesome. Yeah, it's uh, you know what it's it's uh, that's actually a lot of politics talk. To be honest with you, oh, Frank is uh, is is big into U.S. politics, and uh, he's not exactly a very pro-Trump guy. We'll put it that way. <laughs> well, I'm sure then a lot of people will definitely be wanting to listen to that. That's uh, that is for sure. Right. Uh, let's get back to the uh, gambling aspect. Uh, yeah, uh, what work do you do for TSN Edge? Uh, we both uh, uh, work on that. I'm, I do the golf, and you're all in on the uh, NFL, right? Yeah, no, it's great. It's uh, I'm really enjoying it. I do. Uh, I, I produce a couple of my own segments. So every Tuesday, uh, I do um, early lines, uh, market insights, which is just a um, a preview of all the games coming up that week, and uh, most notably what the lines are, where they move, what they opened up as what they are now, some trends. And then every Thursday I do uh, my big e-picks of the week and get that out there. And, uh, you know, there's been, man, this NFL season, we can get into it, but it's it's been a really strange one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like home field advantage seems to, seems to mean nothing. And 
know, you'll watch something one week and then you'll watch something the next week and you'll be like, you know, am I watching the same team? Am I watching, like, you know, what is going on here? It just it, it just varies from week to week. It's so chaotic what's, what, you're, what, you're, what you're witnessing week to week these days. And, and a lot of the trends that I think over the years that we've always taken into account aren't relevant anymore. So it's... Uh, very, very weird to watch what we're watching this year, but I mean, thank God we have football. I mean, I, you know, right now it's it's literally NFL and college, and and obviously with with baseball's off season and, and basketball and hockey not starting yet. I mean, thank God for football. That's all mm-hmm. I have to say. So yeah. yeah, I do those two things, and then of course I um, I work with um, the TSN Edge team on a lot of the other stuff that we we put out there as far as you know covering it and, and doing all that kind of stuff. And uh, we, we put out some great stuff. You know, Laura Dykin's been awesome. She's got her four downs, and she does uh, a great hit with Mike Clay uh, to get you ready for fantasy. Obviously, Davis Sanchez has been great. You know, we do a lot of awesome stuff with him with, uh, you know, he gives you some early leans, which you can see on the TSN Edge uh, platform where you go on tsn.ca to click on the edge. Uh, you can see all of uh, Davis's stuff, his early leans, and then uh, pump the brakes on Tuesday. He'll uh, he'll sort of tell you, you know, what what you can believe in or what you don't believe in based on what you just saw on Sunday. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the advantage, uh, which uh, we put out on Friday, uh, Davis's top three picks of the week as well. So, so much great content you mentioned. I mean, you do golf stuff. Adam Scully does golf stuff. Aaron Bronstetter does some great UFC stuff. Uh, it's just filled with incredible content, right, no matter what you're into. And then, of course, uh, you know, once those other sports come back, uh, you can bet we'll be focused on them as well. So uh, certainly if you're into fantasy, if you're into gambling, you're into numbers, you're into Whatever you're into with sports, TSN Edge is a great platform for you to uh, really get uh, get yourself on board and uh, and find out uh, maybe uh, stats and info that you didn't know beforehand. Sports gambling. That's uh, I, I gotta ask uh, some of your what's, what's your favorite win you've ever had, and what's the most soul crushing loss you've ever had gambling? The amount of bad beats I've had. Uh, I mean, I definitely could write a book. I mean, I remember my first ever bad beat, and it was like I was in high school. Uh, so it would have been like 1994. I was in high school from 94 to 97. And it happened when I was in high uh, No, sorry. 94 97 was when I was at Western. Uh, and then 90, 97 to 99 I was at Fanchester before 94. So like 91 to 94, right around that that time frame. Um there was a game, I was, you know, ProLine had just come out, and, you know, I, I wasn't really into any anything else other than ProLine. I didn't have any other way of wagering back then. There was obviously no internet or anything like that. So mm-hmm. there, I had a humongous parlay. I had, like, you know, eight games on one ticket. And it came down to a Bills-Patriots game, and oh, the ticket no. was for thousands of dollars. Uh, you know, it was Uh-oh. like a... $20 bet would have paid me multiple thousands. I don't remember the exact number because I didn't win. <laughs> uh, because, uh, so I had the Bills at, uh, at plus three and a half against the Patriots in Foxborough. And Bills are winning all game. You know, Drew Bledsoe, um, I think it, 
No, it wouldn't be before that because Bob Bledsoe was the quarterback of the Patriots. Yeah, so those are up all game, and the Patriots are down by four driving. So even if they score a touchdown, I'd still cover the Bills plus three and a half. Wouldn't be a big deal. And they threw a Hail Mary, Bledsoe threw a Hail Mary, and the Bills broke it up, but there was a flag on the play. And it gave the Patriots a first and goal with no time left on the clock. And it was a really chintzy call. I mean, it it didn't look like there was much contact at all. And the Bills were livid, but, you know, they had to play. Obviously, there's no time left. Patriots get a first and goal, and the Patriots end up scoring a touchdown on the next play with no time left to win the game. So they kicked the extra point. They win by three, and I still cover, and I still win. It was, was, like I said, it was the only game I had left on this ticket. But the Bills were so disgusted about this pass interference call, they walked off the field. They wouldn't stay on the field for the point after. The Patriots just walked it in for a two-point conversion and won by four. (laughs) That's how they covered, because the Bills were so angry that they wouldn't allow the Patriots to kick this extra point. They just let them walk in for two with no time uh, left to win the game by four. I'll never forget. I mean, I mean, it happened so long ago. Like I said, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm 45 now and I was in high school when this happened. So I remember Ben Coates was involved in the play. I remember like the little parts of it, but oh man, it was just so... um, Oh, just catastrophic, devastating. Usually, teams you know, will just kneel at that point. Obviously, one that'll never forget. And you know, I had a another. You know, obviously, everyone remembers Leafs Bruins, the Game Seven collapse. Mm. Um, when the Leafs were down three one in that series, I I uh, put a huge, not a huge play, but I put a you know pretty decent play on the Leafs because it paid so well. It was like plus. Uh, like plus seventeen hundred, right to to win the series because they had to win three in a row, and no one thought they had a chance to win that game. Sort of win that series, and they were down three one. Of course, they won Game Five, they won Game Six. They're up four to one in in Game Seven, and when the Leafs are up four to one, had they won that series, they would have gone on to play the Rangers in the second round. And my brother lives in New York, and he's uh, able to get Ranger tickets and, you know, obviously have a place to stay. So when the Leafs are up 4-1, to one, I'm like, wow, I'm going to win a fortune here. This is incredible. I actually booked my ticket uh-huh. to New York. I wanted to beat Leafs fans to it. I wanted to book my flights to New York so I'd be able to get there for, uh, you know, three, four days when the Leafs were going to be playing the Rangers and uh, of course, you know what happened. <laughs> so I didn't cash. I didn't cash the wager. I had my flight planned. My my trip planned to New York already. So I ended up watching, you know, the Rangers, but uh, you know, not play the Leafs. No. So uh, yeah, that was also uh, something that uh, that 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 collapse against Boston uh, was something that'll be that'll, that'll definitely haunt me. That's not just being a diehard Leaf fan, but. Uh, you know, losing out on what would have been uh, a huge payout as well. I'll mention quickly two uh, stories for me. One I've already mentioned in this podcast uh, on a a previous episode, but the one I didn't, of course, you'll remember this. uh, This might be, I want to say, 2003 
one of the first times I've ever done ProLine as well. I'm not exactly sure how much I would have won. I think it was like a $10 bet on like a six-game parlay to win like 700 or something like that. It was yeah. the Jaguars and the Saints. Of course, I'm sure oh, you remember yeah. this. The, 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 car, the Cardi missed extra yeah. points. So the crazy yeah. Madame Blatterals, the Saints yeah. somehow get this touchdown. They need to, to win to get to the playoffs. And they get this insane lateral, and then John Carney misses the extra point. And I can't remember yeah. the point, what the point spread was, but it, it, had he made that extra point, pretty much it was guaranteed I would have won this $700, which especially if you're when you're in college <laughs> is a huge amount of money. It still is, of course, now. And I was so despondent and crushed that he yeah, missed. Yeah, so basically that extra point would have tied the game. Yeah. And with, with him missing, the Saints ended up oh, it might have been the point spread. by one. But I think the, I think the Saints were like... It, it was obviously the spread was one and a half, right? So um, if you bet, if you bet like over under minus one and a half, you lost because they they they, they don't tie the game, which would give you a chance to win. They missed the extra points, so the Saints ended up losing by one. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think I remember now. It might have been the over under points. That, that, that would make the oh, most sense. Oh, right. That also affected the total too. That That's right. Sense, if, yeah. if he kicks it, then it's tied and. Yeah, yeah, no matter of what. Of course, oh, yeah. Yeah, man, that I was so crushed. For the Saints to stay alive, pending the extra point by John Carney. And he missed No! He missed the extra point wide right. Oh, my God. How could he do that? And then the other one was the Week 17 last year, Seattle against the Niners. Uh, yeah. When they're way down in the game, at one point, uh, I bet on them to make the comeback in the game. But that wasn't the huge uh, win that I would have had. But going going into the game, going into the game, John Ursua, their seventh round draft pick, who hadn't caught a pass the entire season, was thirty three to one to get a touchdown at any point in the game. Going into yeah. the game, thirty three to one—that's insane odds. So I bet on that. Of course, it comes down to the end of the the game. They they throw the ball. It looks like it's Tyler Lockett because they're a very similar uh, build yeah. and frame. It was John Ursua caught the pass. So oh, I bet on him to, win, to get a touchdown at any point in the game. He caught the pass oh. to the one-yard line. So not only does he not cash it, which would have been almost a 1,000 for me, then, they, of course, they lose the game because they lose by inches, and then they lose the division. So it was like a triple whammy of oh. like, oh, my oh, God. Man, his only it, yeah, catch of his career was this catch. It was like it was an, an eight- or nine-yard catch to the one-yard line. It was like, oh, my God, that would have been unreal. But Yeah, it just feels like... Every week in the NFL, there are some bad beats. Anthony Lynn, I mean, he looked like he didn't understand how a clock worked in the NFL yesterday. Yeah, let's, and, uh, let's, let's talk about that. Anthony Lynn. And uh, they, oh. that, just, that affected so many things in that football game, right? I mean, the Chargers, depending on where you got it, but you would have had a plus five, plus five and a half, plus four, plus four. So, the, you know, they score that touchdown at the end there after, um, you know, the two Hail Marys, one of them gets negated because of offensive pass interference. The second one they get, they have like 22 seconds, and then the idiot runs the ball. Runs the ball? <laughs> like what you, are you... you have no timeouts left. And he runs the ball, and then they get back up. And the final play oh. with, with Jester, was, I've never seen it before. They, they want a QB sneak, so instead of the offensive line pushing forward, they're <laughs> all back. coming back. Oh, and allow the Bills just to penetrate through. And so that, but, but the Chargers not scoring there, it affected the spread. And I had a huge play on the over teased. I had like over, uh, the over under was fifty one and a half in the game. There was forty four points at the point of this, and I had so many teasers yesterday with that bill. I just figured, you know, the weather was nice, two high scoring offenses. 
you know, I bet I better, you know, the 51 and a half, which you weren't going to win if a touchdown happened, you would have lost by half a point. But I also had in a bunch of seven point teasers. So you're thinking, okay, where's whatever, I'll get all my teasers. And, they, and this wasn't the only debacle that the Chargers had. Oh, At the end of the week. first half, he again let the let the clock expire without getting points and a chance where they have. Uh, at least a field goal, um, and and a number of other times where it just it just seemed like uh, his his understanding of NFL rules and play calling and clock management were all just I don't know I don't know what happened to him. And then after the game, he says, you know, yeah, no, there was a mistake. Obviously, we shouldn't have run the ball. You know, there was miscommunication. They're they're asking him like. Well, who, where was the miscommunication from? And, and he's not answering the question. He's not giving. He's not saying whether it was him or the offensive coordinator or if it was on Justin Herbert. Nothing. Like it's just like this, you know. You yeah. you you look at that and you wonder how the Chargers lose like painfully every week. And now I'm starting to wonder. Well, I don't think Anthony Lynn will be back next year. This this no. year will be the you know. It's funny because a couple of years ago it looked like they were going in the right direction. They walked into Baltimore. I uh, really shut down Lamar Jackson for three quarters in that game. Won a playoff game there, then went to Foxborough and got got their butts kicked the following week. Um, but you know, it looked like the Chargers were heading in the right dire- direction last year. Of course, you know, all Philip Rivers seemed to be doing is turning the ball over, and they would just find these painful ways to lose. Now this year, they out of nowhere. I mean, no one expects Justin Herbert to do what he's done. I mean, he wasn't even the starting quarterback. Tyrod Taylor was supposed to start this year, and Herbert was supposed to learn under him. And then, you know, the team doctors puncture Taylor's lungs, so Herbert's in there for week two and doesn't look back. But, uh, you know, just every week, just the mistakes that the Los Angeles Chargers make, they're they're unforgivable. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I you know, there's just no way that Anthony Lynn can be back next year. I mean, we've, we've just seen... You know, obviously the debacle that was Matt Patricia in Detroit, Adam Gase. I mean, I don't know if there's a dumber oh, human man. being out there coaching a football team than Adam Gase. <laughs> I saw it today. Uh, they're asking him about, about the play calling, and he's saying that, you know, well, no, the OC's calling these plays. I'm calling them on third down. And they're asking, well, who's, we're watching you. It doesn't look like anybody's calling the plays because we only have, like, two in this situation, and I understand it's not like – he just – made no sense like it's like nobody's calling that it's like you know sam darnold's listening for something in his ear and nothing's coming it's like uh (laughs) the lights are on but no one's home in in new york and just it's hard to believe in the nfl you could have this many situations where i mean then mike mccarthy on thanksgiving looked like he never coached an nfl game in his life calling for uh you know these these fake punts at his own 10 yard line and you know, on fourth and inches, he's got Dalton going back and passing instead of leaning forward. And I, I, it's, it's, it's astonishing to me watching what we're watching because you're sitting on your couch and you're like, you know, as a football fan, you understand what you should be seeing and what teams should be doing. But yet the head coaches don't seem to get it yeah. in these situations. It's crazy. I don't understand why in the NFL they don't do uh, what they do in the CFL, which is just QB sneak way more often because it seems like almost always it's going to work. Now, yeah, I, if you I, lean I, forward with the quarterback, there, there's really no way to stop that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I mean, the Cowboys, like I said, they, they botched the first fourth at inches. The second fourth at inches, Dalton just, you know, I think leaned forward and, oh, what do you know, we got it. Um, but they also are in a situation, don't, don't, I think they pay a running back like $50 million uh, who is like fumbling every week and 
not getting over 50 yards a game. So yeah. they've got a lot of other issues there. Uh, you know, between Ezekiel Elliott and, and the Dak Prescott injury and everything, and, and McCarthy seems to be a complete buffoon. So, yeah, uh, it, it's, you know, a lot of stuff going on in this league, and some of it's not very good. Yeah, uh, as of, we were recording this on the Monday, as of this time, uh, Anthony Lynn has not been fired. <laughs> Who knows, by the time this episode comes out, he might be gone because I can't believe he doesn't... Uh, uh, he hasn't been fired, and yeah, I, it looks like I was wrong about Mike McCarthy. I know he's, uh, of course, on his backup quarterback, but even before that, they didn't look good. I thought, like, you know, everyone was ripping him in Green Bay, but it's like it's so hard to win Super Bowls unless your name is Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. He'd won the one chip. I was thinking, you know what? Like Andy Reid, when he went from Philly to Kansas City, there was some uh, snickering a little bit, like ah, he's never won the big one, and obviously he's doing really well. I thought maybe Mike McCarthy goes to Dallas. You know, uh, that that second team, that he might actually be pretty good. Uh, I, I, it looks like I was probably wrong about that one. Uh, in fact, Well, you know, the, the so big good. knock on Andy Reid was his clock management, right? I mean, Horrible. that was what everyone said about him. It wasn't that he didn't understand uh, how to call plays. Everyone knows he's an offensive genius. And now, of course, you've got Eric Bietemi, who's uh, done a fabulous job there. I mean, that's the difference, right? Like, you bring up, you bring up Andy Reid. You watch the Chiefs. They do things the right way. Uh, you know, the, they're driving yesterday. They need a couple first downs after the Patriots, or the Patriots, Tom Brady and the Bucks <laughs> closed it within three points. Uh, and you watch Patrick Mahomes. Here, he's a 25-year-old kid, but he gets it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he, it's got a long third down, a couple minutes left. He needs the, the, the clock to keep going, to, to a couple first downs, and they're good. He, he runs, gets the first down, and, and he's right by where he could easily just step out of bounds, get his first down, not take a hit. But he slides in bounds to keep the clock going. Just that's the kind of that thing you need to smart. see from players and coaches, guys that get it. They mm-hmm. understand how the clock works, how you, how you properly manage a game, the things you need to do. And then, of course, after that, they got another third down. And uh, I believe it was Tyree Kill did the same thing. Just stayed in bounds, went down, kept the clock going. Uh, you know that. You know, you watch it and you're like, yeah, that's what you're supposed to. But shouldn't everybody in the NFL yeah, understand think. this? Yeah, you right. Think. Like if you're in the National Football League, you've got to know this. Yeah. And it, it it shouldn't be me watching the Chiefs saying, yeah, you know, they get it. You should watch every team and they get it. But it, but here when you see a team do things the right way. It actually stands out to you because you see so many other Dumb. coaches yeah. and teams completely botch things. It's it's incredible, and uh, yeah, it's it, it, it boggles the mind, no question about it. Uh, but Jets fans, by the way, who wanted Adam Gase fired uh, weeks ago, no, 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 you want him to stay there the entire season. He's so bad, he's going to get you the first overall pick, probably, unless maybe Jacksonville might take it from him. But uh, he's so bad, he's going to get you Trevor Lawrence. So, no, you want to keep him. Keep him all the way to the end of the season. Well, that's why he hasn't been fired. The Jets uh, definitely need Trevor Lawrence. I mean, I thought that Sam Darnold uh, would be a good pick for them. He he looked good. It spurts in his rookie year. And he looked good last year when he came back from mono, too. But, man, oh, man, this has been... A miserable year, and you got to figure that they're just going to move on from from Sam Darnold, and obviously they want Trevor Lawrence. So yeah, you keep Gase there because uh, you can't win a game. Jacksonville's only won one, mm-hmm. so it's not like you have the luxury of being able to win a game. 
I don't know who would get the tiebreaker if Jacksonville and New York both had one win at the end of the year to get that first overall pick. So why risk it? Yeah, Adam Gase uh, riding the coattails of being uh, Peyton Manning's right-hand man for a little while and then convincing NFL co- uh, owners to be a coach for a while. That's a very smart strategy on his part. Just he won 11 <laughs> games one year, though. I think the 10 or 11 games in Miami he got yeah. the Dolphins to the playoffs one year. And, you know, since then, oh, my God, it's it's just been a nightmare, really? an absolute nightmare for, for him. I He's a laughing stock, and it's 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 you know again like you know there should only, there's only 32 jobs available in the National Football League. You really shouldn't have had coaches that you look at them and you were like, wow, they are just not a capable coach. Every coach, you know, in, in this league, you know, should be qualified. And, and, and you know, you look at Adam Gase, definitely does not look like he's qualified to be an NFL head coach. <laughs> no, definitely not. And we, we were talking about quarterbacks uh, and teams that need them. Good segue here, Michael. Uh, the Denver Broncos yesterday on the Sunday could have used uh, some quarterbacks. All four of their QBs were out because uh, COVID-19. So they went had to go to a practice squad wide receiver. Uh, I was disappointed a little bit in that game. I was hoping there'd be a lot more throws and the carnage and the ridiculous stuff happening. And what did he end up finishing? One for nine for like 13 yards? Something like that? Yeah, he completed one Kendall pass Hitton. to Noah Fant uh, in the second half, and that was it. The, uh, the stat that I saw, uh, Kendall Hinton was the quarterback. That poor yeah. guy. I mean, to be thrown into that, that's, uh, that's crazy. But the stat that I saw was uh, something along, along the lines of the, they were the first team to only complete one pass uh, and have more interceptions since 1998, the Chargers again. And it was, yeah, it was yeah. Ryan Dude. Leaf went one for 15 for four <laughs> yards passing in that game. Oh, my well, God. Well, the sad thing is Ryan Leaf was a second overall pick. So, I mean, yeah. like, you know, he had no excuse. <laughs> but, you know, at least yesterday, the poor kid, um, yeah, you know what? This happened on Saturday, right? So it's not even like the Broncos could prepare for this uh, where they were told that all their quarterbacks were ineligible because they were too close um, to the one quarterback who tested positive. And I believe all the, the – Test came back negative today, so Drew Locke will be available to play against the Chiefs this week, I believe. But yeah, that's a tough one, right? The Broncos put themselves in a terrible situation. I like the fact that Fangio kept the quarterbacks accountable and said, "Made you know," he said yesterday he put them all in a bad position by not wearing the masks mm-hmm. around the quarterback when they knew, I guess, that he had tested uh, positive and. You know, the NFL, a lot of people criticize the NFL for not postponing this game or moving it down. I understand the NFL's um, thinking with this because, you know, the the quarterbacks that were around the quarterback that tested positive weren't weren't there, weren't available, which means you had – and every player that was there obviously had had tested – negative. So there was no COVID concerns for the players on the field. The only games there should be that should be postponed are when there's fear that, you know, people on the field are going to have it, right? I mean, you, if, if if the people that have been exposed to it are not around and are isolated and are not uh, involved in the game, I understand the NFL just can't, you know, move a game down because they want to get the player who tested positive to be negative again, right? They didn't, I mean, they moved Baltimore uh, because of a different situation with the COVID test, but it's not like any of the players who tested positive 
um, you know, Lamar and Ingram and um, all those players, Andrews are all out. So, you know, it was a different situation where they wanted to make sure that everyone that was positive was not going to be playing or be around to put everyone else in danger. In the Broncos game, they separated them, they got rid of them, so they wouldn't be around, and everyone that was on the field, uh, there was no uh, positive tests, right? So the Broncos got screwed from a, you know, we have no quarterback perspective, but from a safety perspective, that wasn't an issue. And they also sort of did it to themselves uh, by not wearing they a mask. They did, and so... that's, again, the NFL was, was punishing them for basically, you're right, not following proper protocols. Absolutely. Uh, uh, one of the games that surprised me in terms of the uh, how – pretty easily that uh, they won the Titans beating the Colts yesterday. Did that surprise you? Well, yes, <laughs> considering the Colts were one of my top plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> this is what I meant earlier by not really understanding the NFL so much. Yeah. This year, you watched them play a couple weeks ago on primetime, as we all did, and not only did the Colts win that game, but they completely dominated them. Mm-hmm. You know, the, 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 the Titans had a couple short fields in the first half and scored some touchdowns early, but the second half, they were shut out, didn't have a point. Uh, you know, Tannehill threw for less than 150 yards, couldn't get anything going. They couldn't even run the ball with Derrick Henry that game. Um, you know, Tennessee looked like they weren't even in the same league with Indianapolis, right? Indy was running the ball with three running backs, and I guess yesterday that, you know, obviously Taylor wasn't there because of COVID and um, DeForest Buckner was also out. But it just yesterday, all of a sudden, the, the, the switch was flipped, right? And, uh, you know, the, the, the Colts couldn't stop A.J. Brown. The Colts couldn't do anything against Derrick Henry. And it was just a complete, like, you wouldn't even think it was the same two teams playing mm-hmm. that had literally played two weeks ago. And from a betting perspective, when they played at Tennessee, Indianapolis was a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Now, under the old model, before 2020, you'd always get three points for being at home, right? So if you were in that game, the Colts were a a one-and-a-half-point favorite at Tennessee. So that would mean on a neutral field, they would be a a four-and-a-half-point favorite. If the game was being played at Indianapolis, they'd be a a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Now, yesterday, the Colts are only a three-point favorite at home which makes no sense because like, the Colts just beat them up two weeks ago, and then the Colts followed that up by beating the Packers last week. Yeah, great game. So but by, by saying the Colts are only a three-point favorite, you're saying that these two teams are even. Well, so we're just supposed to ignore what we saw two weeks ago? And the, the answer to that question is yes. You are supposed to ignore <laughs> what you saw because literally what you saw two weeks ago had no effect on what we saw in yesterday's football game. Tennessee absolutely dominated that game. And I was left uh, not really understanding how things could change that much in two weeks. I don't know. I don't. I don't know how that happened, but it did. Yeah, it's uh, absolutely wild. <laughs> You're not wrong that the NFL, uh, week to week, uh, quarter to quarter, play to play. Sometimes it just it, it defies the imagination and it boggles your mind, like uh, how certain results can happen and, and so forth. Yeah, I'll get you out of here on this. Uh, a guy I know who would have loved that Titans win yesterday. Uh, a good friend of yours and uh, a colleague of mine. Uh, he, he was a huge Titans fan a couple of years ago. He uh, tragically uh, got killed, uh, John Gale. Uh, I can't believe it's already been two years. That guy was an absolute beauty. I only knew him for maybe four or six months when he worked on the Jay and Dan show, but you were much closer to him. Uh, share some of uh, your favorite stories of John because he was just an absolute legend. 
Well, Johnny was a great guy. Yeah, I was doing a football show with Johnny when uh, the tragic accident happened. We were, we were doing a football podcast together every Wednesday called um, The Glass Half Full. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, – Johnny was – you know, I talk about how long I've been in this industry, and it's been over 20 years. I've never met someone like John as oh, far as the, best. the positive energy, uh, the enthusiasm – you know, like I knew John pretty well, so I knew a few of the things he had gone through in his personal life that weren't so good. Um, you know, and when he would share these stories with me, he always would look at it with, in, a, in a positive light, right? Like, you know, he had a, a long relationship that, would, that had just, you know, ended right, you know, before this. And, you know, that would, like, that crushes a lot of people, right? Like when, when, when things like this happen. But John, you know, despite. When, when something bad would happen, he would always just, you know, shake it off and move on and keep going and, and keep plugging away to get to where he wanted to be. And he knew where he wanted to be. He had goals and, you know, he was just such, such a good person to be around. He, he brought out the best in you because of his attitude, his positive outlook. Um, you know, there's right, really, you know, just, nothing bad you can say about nope. the guy like everything everything about him was was really inspirational to to people who you know and i, I mean 2020 is a year where so many of us have struggled myself included uh with with so many things right like it's been so hard on families on on kids on relationships on you know careers you name it you know 2020 has has been a crippling year and you know, if one person would have handled it well and handled it with a smile and handled it, um, you know, with, with a positive attitude, it would have been John because that's who he was. And I uh, dearly, dearly missed. And, yes, a big Titans fan, he would have uh, would have certainly loved yesterday's game. He would have mm-hmm. loved the run they went on in last year's playoffs, oh, right? Yeah. Beating, beating the Ravens, the 10-point underdog. Um, beating the Patriots in the wild card game as a touchdown underdog, and then being up ten on the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game as well. And uh, yeah, he uh, he's he's still dearly, dearly missed. Just uh, a great guy, and we're very, very lucky to have you know been friends with him and been able to work with him and to have uh, you know him really show me the light with a lot of things. Yeah, he was just, uh, like I said, the best. And a couple stories that I could share about him. I remember a couple years ago, he was in a survivor pool. uh, And this was back when the Rams and the Saints were both undefeated. I think they might have been like 8-0 or something like that. Yeah, they played that shootout game in New Orleans, yeah. Who ended up winning the game? Was it New Orleans, I think? The Saints ended up. Uh, Saints won. I think? The Saints ended up winning because they ended up losing to the Rams later in the year in the NFC Championship game. Right. They beat them that week. Yeah. John, he was still had a chance to win the the, uh, the pool, and he picked the Saints. He's like, I'm going to pick the Saints to beat the Rams, and I'm like, What are you doing, John? They're both eight zero. Like you're crazy. Why would you pick? Why would you pick uh, against the Rams in a survivor when they're both like eight zero? And he's like, Oh man, the Saints are going to win, and he did it. And he was right. He was just he loved yeah. uh, taking chances, which I thought was hilarious. And the other time, I'm so thankful he at least got to go to uh, uh, before he tragically got killed uh, to L.A. to watch LeBron because he was so excited about that. Yeah. And he was showing me, me and uh, my buddy Tony Rosenberg, tons of pictures of his time there and everything. 
And he kept apologizing for not being able to go to my birthday party that I was going to have because he was <laughs> yeah. going to be on L- in, in L.A. And I'm like, John, who cares, man? I don't give like don't you, who cares about my birthday party? You're going to L.A. to see LeBron, man. Don't care about yeah. me at all. I'm, I'm nothing. But he was just such an awesome guy. And he's such a positive dude. And I loved him so, so much. And uh, I can't believe it. I can't believe it happened still. And it's been two years. I think about him very often and uh, how everybody absolutely loved him. He was just the greatest. And uh, yeah, I'm uh, sorry for your loss, our loss. I just I, I can't wrap my head around it. He was just the best. Yeah, great guy. Gone way, way too soon. Absolutely. All right, take care, Hound Dog. Uh, My pleasure. It was a lot of fun. Talk soon. Take care. Eric Cohen, great guy to chat with. That voice is absolutely perfect for broadcasting. I could learn a thing or two. It was great discussing football with him, our most disappointing gambling losses, his career in the industry, plus some truly terrible coaches in the NFL. You can follow Eric on Twitter at Real Eric Cohen, that's Eric with a C, and gain some valuable stats and picks at TSN underscore Edge. Thank you for listening to episode 46 of the H-Dog Pod. This has been the H-Dog Pod with host Michael the Hound Dog Harrison. Mm bang. Mm bang. Mm bang. Mm bang.